Hey, good morning. Hey, if you are new, um, I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here. Really glad you're here, especially the Baby Dedication Extended Family Squad we got going over here to the left. Really glad all of you are here. <laughs> um, a couple of housekeeping things before we jump into the sermon. First of all, some of you have made, I mean, all of you have noticed and some of you may not know that it's Red Pants Sunday. And um, this is only the second time the Red Pants have been here. Last time the Hogs were in the Elite Eight in the, um, in the NCAA tournament. And I don't know, after last night, it just seemed like another great opportunity for Red Pants Sunday. So these are very special pants. I want you to, I don't want you to feel that. It's like, it's not, oh, I mean, sometimes you wear, no, no, no. Very special day. So anyway, go Hogs. And um, it's been great. It's been a great moment of unity around here at the Grove today. We've got some OU fans, some OSU fans around here. But today, today we can all agree that we don't like Texas. So um, my apologies. I know some of the extended families from Texas now that I think about it. Okay, let's keep going. Happier things. Hey, I don't do this very often, but it is not every day that your middle uh, daughter turns 21 on Sunday. And she, Lauren is amazing. She was just the, the funnest, spunkiest, full of energy little kid that you could ever know and is, has become just a, the most amazing, beautiful, special young woman. And so um, she's actually here this service. I embarrassed her first service without her knowledge. I'm embarrassing her with her knowledge right now during the second service. And I cried First service, I kind of got that out of the way, but it, happy birthday. I love you so much. You are the best, and I'm so proud of you. And um, that is, she was Colors Day queen. I'm a senior of high school. She's awesome. Yes, let's clap for Lauren. She's great. Woo! Don't let her, te- don't let her fool you. She is, she likes attention on her birthday. Don't let her fool you. She's going she gonna to act like she doesn't when you talk to her, but it's not true. All right, so the best thing I feel like we do, like we're in a series called You Belong, we're just kind of spending some time talking about who we are as a church and that, that it's significant that we put a mural on the outside of our church that communicates to the world no matter you belong, no matter who you are, what you struggled with in your past, what's going on in your present, you can come here and we want you to have access to Jesus. And too often churches unintentionally and sometimes maybe even intentionally put up unnecessary barriers to people and their access to the gospel, and their access to Jesus. And so Mark and I spent some time talking about that over the last couple of weeks. And we're going to spend the last few weeks of this series just kind of talking about some of these barriers and some values that we have here at The Grove that kind of, that, that are really important to us, that, that, that hopefully are going to keep us from demonstrating and replicating some of these barriers. So well, let's just jump right into this passage, and we can kind of do the little intro to kind of what we're talking about in the middle of the passage here. So Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is in this deal where a lot of people are just kind of coming to him with a lot of questions. They're trying to trick him. They're trying to trap him. They're trying to get him to say something bad or controversial or wrong. They're looking for ways to accuse him. And so he's kind of in this cycle. And we have an example here as as they continue trying to do this in Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 15. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Now we'll pause right here because we don't feel the same thing that an original reader of this would feel or certainly the people who were experiencing it live felt. When you you hear this phrase, the Pharisees got together with the Herodians and went to Jesus. Like, Like, I don't know, okay, whatever. They're trying to do something bad to Jesus. But there's a weight and a power to that. 
as if it were to say, President Trump and President Obama got together and sent some of their representatives to Jesus to ask him a question. So, so two people, two groups of people who would consider themselves by and large very much opposed to one another, do not think well of each other, have very different values, came together to unite against Jesus. That is the weight that this has. Because the Jewish people, they were an occupied people. The Roman government had occupied them. They were a conquered territory. And the Roman government had kind of installed a little, a little puppet-ish kind of government and, and had a king that his name was Herod. But he was essentially working with and alongside the, the, the Romans the, with, with Caesar. And so the Herodians were people who were unified with Herod and with the idea of being in partners with the Roman government. There's nothing wrong with being partners with the Romans. Don't think of them as occupiers. Think of them as friends. We're now, we're now part of the Roman system, and it's great and fine, and that has no, there is no problems with that and being a Jewish person and a man, of, man or woman of faith in God. And the Pharisees took the exact opposite, that, that, that there should be no partnership, there should be nothing but active rebellion against the Romans. And anybody who thinks anything other, who, share, who has any sort of partnership with the Romans should be considered a traitor. And so these were, not, these were not mild feelings, and this was not an insignificant issue. And yet, in this moment, they were willing to come together in their opposition to Jesus. That's the, that's the weight and the weirdness of this that we should feel. Let's continue going. Sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Now, come on. Can we just stop there for a second? I mean, like do, you, like, do you feel that? Do you feel the nonsense of that? You got these two groups of people who hate each other coming together in a group and coming to Jesus. And they're like, oh, Jesus, you're so smart. No, Jesus, you're so great. And we know that you got so much integrity. I mean, like, I mean, can you just imagine? Like, I imagine, like, we all do this. We all imagine Jesus a little bit like us. I just imagine him rolling his eyes and just frustrated, like, Man, what do these idiots want? Just skip it. Stop whatever this fake buttering up is and get to your dumb question. But here they are just trying to, trying to butter him up like, he, like, like he's an idiot, like he's going to fall for this, which he, he's obviously not. Oh, you're so great. Anyways, verse 17. Tell us then what is your opinion. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Now, when you think about this, don't think about it tax in the sense of just kind of the things that kind of help for the common good in their community. Think of this imperial tax as money that just essentially goes straight from them, just straight into Caesar's back pocket. This is just money you give in tribute to the Roman Caesar. Is it right to pay that or not? So you can imagine the weight of that and the two very different opinions that these two groups have. So this was a well-crafted question for them. There was a question where they believed that they had crafted this in such a way where it was going to be impossible for Jesus to give a right answer. They had set the trap. Half the people in the audience were about to be furious with Jesus because of his answer to this question. They had him. 
So imagine again the Republicans and the Democrats have gotten together and they send their representatives to Jesus and they say, Jesus, is it right for the United States to protect their southern border? Now a little bit, I hope you just kind of feel a little bit of, of that, right? Like that's like... Like, you see where this is going, right? I start with kind of, hey, here are the two groups. And then I ask the question, and there's a sense of, it's like, is he, like, later in the service going to answer that question like he's Jesus? And, you, and you, feel a little, you feel a little nervous about it, right? You feel a little nervous because, like, that's not going to be good. And, and that's the, that everybody felt, right, when, when, when this happens to Jesus. And some of you are like, well, it's, I don't even say that. Some of you are thinking, it's really not that big a deal because, I mean, it's obvious what the answer is, right? It's obvious. It's very simple. It's very simple, right? But which is it? And this is the tension that is going on right now around Jesus as these two groups of people think that they have painted Jesus into this corner. Verse 18, But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. And so he immediately just saw right through it. It's like, I mean, this is, this is, this is some dumb game that you're trying to get me to play. And you're trying to trap me. But let me, let me, while you're here, I guess I'll answer. Give me the coin. I know the coin right there. There's, there's Caesar's face. He's like, man, give to him. Give to Caesar what belongs to him. But give to God what's God's. And then they were like, and you, can, you can just imagine. They're like, how do we? And they were amazed and frustrated and just kind of blown away by it and had to just walk away. And there's several things that I want us to kind of glean and feel from this as we think about what Jesus said and what he did and what his response to it was. But I'd like to begin with this idea, is, the, the, is that the issues that really matter are incredibly complex. It's not as simple a thing as, yes, pay the tax. No, you shouldn't pay the tax. It's not that simple. And the things that matter rarely are. The things that really matter about life, about morality, about culture, about life, about Jesus, about God, about who you are, about existence, about heaven, about future, about forgiveness, redemption, life, whatever. The things that really matter rarely have simple answers. And there's a word that we use a lot around here with the staff, and this may be the first time we've verbalized it this way, but I think those of you who've been around have experienced this before, but it is important for us to be thoughtful, to be thoughtful people. And very often when we think about the word thoughtful, what we mean is, oh, it was really sweet. That was, oh, Charlie, you've already been really thoughtful. You remembered your daughter's birthday today. Or when someone remembers your birthday or remembers a special occasion, you think, oh, that was very thoughtful. Like, which in a sense is what thoughtful means, but really what thoughtful means is I gave extra consideration. So I give extra consideration to what day it is, and I remember that it is your birthday. But it's that extra thought. It's not the kindness. It's the, it's, it's the thinking about it. 
that I have thought enough about this question, about this issue, to understand the depth and the richness of it. And to not just be simple. To not just be impulsive. Because here's the thing that I would like for you to understand. Is that you are a representative of Jesus Christ. In the way that you talk, in the way that you live, in the way that you interact with people, you represent Jesus Christ in the world. Now I could say it in a much simpler, safer way. The church represents Jesus Christ in the world. And we'd be like, yeah, 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 that's, that's absolutely for sure. We would all agree with that. But I don't want to say it in the simple, safe way. I want to say it in the more personal, dangerous way. You do. Very often we can think, yeah, the church does. The pastor does. He gets up there and he says things and he's, he's speaking for God in some way. He represents Jesus. You do. And so the question is, in the way that you talk, in the way that you interact, in the way that you are engaging culture, in the way that you are engaging people who are outside of God's people, about things that are going on in the culture, things that are going on in politics, things about morality, things about God, things about life, things about Jesus, are you representing Jesus well? Are you representing his thoughts, his ideas, his wisdom, his character? Are you a good representative? Are you thoughtful about the things that you say? Because I would like to suggest that there is not a lot of thoughtfulness out there in the world. Now this has nothing to do with their particular opinions, but I would like to say that even though they may be very smart Rachel Maddow from MSNBC and Tucker Carlson from Fox News are not particularly thoughtful people. They are emotional people. They are passionate people. But they boil down the complex issues of life into simple, angry sound bites. And if you've been around here at the Grove long enough, you know that we have a particular aversion to sound bite Christianity. If you can put it on a poster with a cat hanging from a branch and a little verse and a little slogan, it's probably not of great value. If, 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 if you can make a cross stitch out of it, God won't give you more than you can handle. I can do all things through Christ. If, 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 if this is what... It, it's of not great value. It's not very well thought through. It's not thoughtful. It is not giving real answers. I'll use... To, to make everybody at ease, the, the next example I will use will be much more, less controversial. We'll just, we'll just try to take some deep breaths together. So <clears throat> this is actually not that too, shouldn't be controversial. I don't know. We've got a lot of guests here today. <laughs> so <clears throat> what does the Bible say about alcohol? There's two camps, right? There's always two camps. Camps, you got a camp. And, and we got over here, it was like, that, that oh, man, Alcohol's not that big a deal. Jesus, Mark talked about it last week. Jesus brought wine to the party, right? Alcohol's okay. Like, no, 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 no. Bible says that alcohol's bad, and getting drunk's bad, drinking's bad. It's, it's, it's evil, it's bad. It's like, and, it's, and depending on if you grew up in church, you probably grew up in, in one of these two camps. Maybe you've changed teams over the course of your life, but you understand that there are two very different teams, and they are at absolute opposition to each other. 
would it surprise you to hear actually what the Bible says about alcohol? And I'll, I'll condense it this way. Alcohol is fine all the way up until the point that it's not. I'm going to need you to give some more clarity to that. What, is, what specifically does that mean? So what if we just took the Bible, took the Bible out of it? Because we put a lot of pressure, I think, like that everything has to be super specific. But if I took the Bible out of it, we're just talking, like, hey, Charlie, what do you think about alcohol? It's, well, it's fine until it's not. You'd be like, I know what he's talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I say, it's fine until it's not. It's like, yeah, I know what he's talking about. And you're probably like, no, no, like I know. Like, you've probably experienced it. It was all fine until it wasn't, which is essentially what the Bible says. But we feel this pressure, like, I need specifics. Well, Charlie, is being buzzed drunk? Stupid question. Like you, 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 you know, you know. Do you really need someone to tell you that was inappropriate? Do you need you don't need that? But we feel this need for there. Like the Bible's out here just giving principles that we then have to take into our life and apply them, and we're looking for rules and camps and and and, and specifics. And let me tell you this, if we can't get that right about an issue that I'm not going to say is insignificant, but let's just say that in comparison to the issues of life and death and who God is and can I really find redemption and forgiveness and new life in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the things that really matter for eternity, these sorts of things, by comparison, alcohol is a relatively small issue, though it is important. I don't, I don't deny that. But if we can't get the answers to these questions right, if we can't show ourselves to be thoughtful, engaging people about this, these kinds of issues, why on earth would people come to us for the issues that really matter? And, and to me, that's the obstacle. Too often, the way that we talk about life and we oversimplify things we nullify our witness as being the types of people who can lead you to the deeper answers about life and redemption in God. But if we can represent Jesus well in the way that we interact, in our, in our public life, in our private life, in our online life, if we can do that well, then we can be the people who can carry people from where they are into the presence of Jesus where they can experience the gospel and have redemption and new life with them. There's another story. There's another, there's another story. There's tons of these in, in, in the gospels where Jesus is interacting with people who are trying to get him, who are trying to trick him. And, he, um, and, and we got another one here in um, Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20, verse 1. One day Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news. The chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. This is the whole, this is everybody. Everybody's together. Verse 2. Tell us by what authority you are doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? Now, very different than the first set of questions. This is like a softball for Jesus. This is like, this is like, this is like, this is like putting the ball on the tee. 
right? This is like, this is what Jesus most wants to talk about. He may not be interested in whether or not you have to pay a tax to Caesar or not. He just, like, what's even the point of this question? But this is like the question. This is the thing Jesus loves to talk about. He talks about it all the time. He talks about being the son of God. He talks about being the son of man. Talking about God as his father and the God father sent me here. And this is what this means. This, this is like, this is like number one topic for Jesus. There is nothing he likes talking about more, it would seem than his relationship with the Father and how that identifies who he is and how that informs the power and the necessity of his message and his life and his death and his resurrection. And they just, they just put it on the T for him. And so now we would expect Jesus to be like, well, let me, I'll be more than happy to explain this to you. And yet. Verse 3. He replied, I will ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism. Talking about John the Baptist, this guy that came before Jesus, that um, essentially was kind of proclaiming, hey, the Messiah is about to come. And he was having people be baptized as a symbol for their repentance of their sins, that they wanted to be clean and be, they were sorry for their sins. So he's talking about this baptism that he was preaching. Was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it amongst themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, Why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, all the people will stone us, because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, We don't know where it was from. And Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. They were trying to trick him. They were trying to trap him. They were trying to get him to say something that, that, that if, they, if they spun it or they twisted it, they, that if he could get him to say something in this context with all of us here, then we'll be able to charge him with blasphemy. Or maybe we'll be able to charge him in some way with sedition against Caesar and the government. He's going to say something. And if we just get him, we, just, we can just, maybe he'll just say something weird or wrong or weird. We, we take it and we, 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 we got him. And even though Jesus is not shy about this issue, even he talks about it way a lot before this, talks about it plenty after. In this moment, he's like, mm-mm. Are we going to play this game? I got, I got a question for you. And he's like, oh, no, if we do this, if we say this, if we say this, if we say this. We don't know. Then I'm not, then I'm not talking to you. Because if we're not going to be honest, if you want to be honest, be honest about where you're coming from. If you want to be honest, I'll be honest. But if you're going to play a game, I'm out. And so we'll say it this way, don't play the world's game. Don't play the world's game. There's a game out there. And I, I, I like, partners like, do I need to explain this? You know the game. It's, it's this very same game. It is a game of anger, division, controversy. Gotcha. Where you, like, you bring up something and you just kind of bring up the question. You say it just the right way and you think you got, a, you got them trapped. And you're gonna, now you're going to be able to fight. And now we're going to be able to, I'm going to be able to show to you what an idiot you are. And how dumb you are and how evil you are. Have, have any of you ever had the displeasure of watching a White House briefing? Where the, where the White House press secretary gets up there make some sort of statement, and then they're like, me, 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 and then they start asking questions. Have you ever watched, like, like legitimately watched one of these? If the answer is no, then great for you. Don't start. This is not an encouragement to start with. But they're all the same. It does not matter who is president. It does not matter who is the press secretary. It's all the same. And a question. 
And it's just some sort of like, like trick, like kind of gotcha question. It's like, why, why, why do you do this? Or why, what, is, what do you really think about this? What does the president really think about this? And then the press secretary goes, and then just says nothing in return, right? And it's just like, and it's like, ooh. And then it's all over social media. All over social media. But here's the thing. You see it on social media, and you'll see the exact same clip tweeted or posted by a Republican and a Democrat. Not a different clip, the same clip. And one of them will be like, show today with the president and press secretary what cowards they are. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Show today how much we own the press and their stupid bias. And our press secretary slayed that guy today. What moron? And then I'm supposed to look at this and, and like, wow, I'm really glad these people are leading us. I'm really glad these people are advocating for us when they're playing some dumb game with the sole purpose of getting us angry and fired up and divisive and gotcha. And yeah, and my team's great and your team's terrible. And now we're, now we're fighting. Now we're angry and we're playing along. I think we all agree. I think we. That when the church starts playing this game, it just, it's bad. Like do, you, like, do you like it? Do you like it when you, when you see like some pastor in some church has come out in some passionate way endorsing of some particular political candidate? Do you ever look at that and think, yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad the church is just neck deep in that. That's great. This is not off putting to anyone. Can you imagine? Can you imagine you walk in here one day instead of preaching? I'm not preaching. We got some Senate candidate, some governor candidate in here talking. And I know that churches, there are churches that do that. And our public position and in the privacy of my heart too, like I want to be supportive of other churches and their different approaches. But I think when we step into that game, I think it does collectively. It, it, it damages us collectively as witnesses and ambassadors for Jesus. And so here's the thing that I want to say. When I, when I say we're not going to play the game, I don't want you to hear me saying more than what I'm saying. Because I, I want you to hear me saying all of this. We will speak out against racism. Racism is a moral evil, and it is reprehensible in the eyes of God. We will welcome people to our community no matter where they came from. And we have done this. We have, we, have, we have sponsored a refugee who has come to northwest Arkansas. And we have an elder who is attempting again to try to get us, to, to mobilize us in case there is like an Afghani refugee who comes to northwest Arkansas, how we can help them and welcome them and help them get settled here. And we will do this. We will unconditionally give to and serve the poor in our community. And we will do it without condition, without thought. We will do this because we love them. In the last 12 months, we have given almost $50,000 to the poor and the hurting in our community. We will do all of that. We will be, we will be uh, unapologetically advocates for life, for babies, for small children. We will continue to support the foster care system. We will continue to be advocates for adoption. I'm going to have the privilege here in a few weeks of going to our 10th adoption of someone from the foster care system since the time we've been here at The Grove. 
And we have had dozens of kids who have gone through the foster care system come through the doors of our church. We will continue to do all of those things because this is who God has called us to be. He has called us to show his kindness, his morality, and his love, and his passion, and deep, passionate love for people. He has called us to represent him in the world in this way. And we will show love when it is called for, and we will speak out against evil when we see it. But we will not play the game. There is not one of those things to me that is a Republican issue, and there is not one of those things that is a Democrat issue. Those are God's issues, and we will love our community, and we will support the hurting and the needy, because this is what God has called us to, not as players or pawns in some evil, ugly political game. And so ultimately, one that with this is that we need to be thoughtful. And in this, I mean both, both definitions of that word. We want to demonstrate the kindness that we often think about, that we associate with, with thoughtfulness. We will show that kind of kindness. And at the same time, we're going to show the world that in, 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 what, in what, what's really going on out there, there's some deep, complex issues that are facing it. And we're not, we're not offering simple answers. We're not offering... Sound bites. We understand that the issues of life that have real consequence to them, they're complex. And I understand, even if you think about them differently than I do, that you've come from your own place, your own background, your own understanding, and I strive to understand you, and I can see where you're coming from, and I think, I understand why you think that, but here's what I think. And, and you've shown some level of thoughtfulness about your ideas and a kindness that is willing to engage someone who has a different idea about it than you do. But I understand this, that the, really what I'm asking you to do is very countercultural to the world we live in right now in this moment. And swimming upstream is incredibly difficult. But this is what God has called us to. The world wants us to be divided, wants us to fight. But we want to show them the love of Jesus Christ. Let me pray.